This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Barry, season four, episode five, Tricky Legacies is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here. No pseudonyms, no wigs. I am here to talk about the beginning of the back half of the final season of Barry, this final stretch of episodes, and it looks like the time jump stuck. We are eight years into the future, an entire kid has been created, an alternate life has been created, but there's someone knocking on that door, and it might be the past in more ways than one. Of course, I am joined by my co-host here, someone who's ready to reveal the top secret facts about post-show recaps that nobody wants you to know, <laughs> the great Latanya Starks. Latanya, how are you? I'm good. That's actually what we're going to use our YouTube channel for. Yeah, you know, Succession's recaps is really just a backdoor way to get in our listicle-esque, yes. you know, uh, factoid rabbit hole video series about exactly. exposing the deep state within PSR. So that eventually I could work at a clickbait aggregator, uh, which go. is all I've ever wanted. 
could be worse. You could be working in some sort of podunk diner where oh my the God. chef named Bevel is attempting to get off in the bathroom to you. That's very true. But like nothing against people who work in diners. No. Just, like I've been to some uh some place, some states in this United States, and I've been to some diners. So those those are my people. Absolutely. Listen, Guy Fieri has put these places on the map. I do not want to disparage them whatsoever. But suffice it to say, when it comes from the very specific worldview that we are currently living in with Barry and Sally and John, their child, it could be a little bit better as we have, of course, this game-changing final scene at the end of last episode where we had a jump forward seemingly in time and there were a lot of big questions as to, okay, is this jump permanent? Is this real? Is this a fantasy? Yes, yes, and no are the answers, as we found out this week. We spent a lot of time in this new normal of Barry and Sally living under witness protection, or perhaps just adopting their own new identities and how they're negotiating both their less-than-pleasant present, in addition to just, like, a random-ass Gene Cousineau scene appears in the end of the episode. So I imagine that's going to be a preview LT for getting to see more of our characters eight years from now. But what did you think about this real slice of life episode for the most part of Barry and Sally's future? This was one of the most bleak episodes of the show. And this show has murder up the wazoo. I just, I think it's probably because I can't imagine the personal hell that I would be in if I had to live in a place like that and, and like do that job um, and then raise a child with a psychopath like I don't know what I would probably I don't think that I would function as well as Sally Mm. frankly you'd be hitting more bottles of gas station vodka (laughs) exactly yeah just chugging those things um it's bleak the whole scene is terrifying and I don't like it yeah it's such an odd idyllic fantasy that starts breaking like the very moment we start the episode, right? We got the barest of glimpses into it at the end of last episode where Barry is in like full dad bod mode. And it seems like he's trying to take it as much as he can, a duck to water, considering that Barry Berkman is like a very oddly shaped duck. So even (laughs) when he's paddling, it looks just a little off of him trying to be the best dad slash homeschool teacher slash pushing play on the videos that actually teach his son that he can be. Sally, we see, I think, very much regrets this decision, uh, considering that she signed everything away in the last episode. Bill Hader had this really excellent interview on the Ringer's Prestige TV podcast that I'll be referring Mm. to throughout this podcast. And he said that that Mega Girls series of scenes was really Sally saying goodbye to acting. And Mm. I think she hopped in at the first opportunity that she could with a man who she felt safe with, who stepped out of the darkness to say, come with me to this promised land and a new opportunity. And she realized after eight years that that new opportunity is a little bit of old hat for her and maybe reminding her of a situation that she walked out of in the premiere. Yeah. And also I don't, I don't want to like undermine anything that Bill Hader says about his own show, but this very much feels like, acting for sally but it's just a very immersive role like she's just gone full method at this point no you are right on the money because bill Hader said one of the reasons why he felt they had to go in this direction is because 
in doing away with the Barry becomes an actor storyline, particularly towards, you know, the latter half of season three and obviously through season four so far, they were kind of eschewing one of the central themes of the show, right? Which is the idea of acting is what part do you play? What role are you embodying? And how does that carry over to the role you are playing in your real life, both in your relationships with people, in your relationships, in your job, etc. And so they're kind of, getting us back on that track in a very different way by now giving them, to your point, the performance of their literal lives in that Mm. every day, Sally has to get in hair and makeup, walk onto set that is this diner, right? Put on this Southern accent as Emily and then move forward from there. So I totally agree with you. Not to say that like there is a certain fondness towards at least her son, Barry maybe not so much at this point, the seven-year itch, there's a reason it's eight years from now. But Mm. I do think that in general, this has allowed Sally to, while she has to say goodbye to acting from a professional capacity, she has done it in a very personal, personal way for the past eight years. Yeah, she really has. And you can see her uh, as, you know, the episode kind of uh, opens on her character. Uh, You can see her kind of in hair and makeup, which is really interesting. Like she's backstage getting ready to put on this performance and she's got a wig and everything. And she's got the, the whole blue eyeshadow, just like stuff that you would never see LA Sally wear. Yeah. And just as far from her as you could possibly get, she's very much playing a part and she's going into this place to work and you hear her accent and how thick it is and how she's laying it on. And but apparently she's very convincing to everybody. Either that or everyone's leaning into it because like, especially in this environment, which we were trying to figure out, I don't think we know what state they are in exactly yeah. somewhere in, you know, Plainview, America, but they probably wouldn't automatically suspect, yeah, this person isn't who they say they are. And they're just putting on this, you know, voice and these mannerisms and this identity to escape something very deadly that exists on the coast. You know, they're assuming the best and what they're getting is the worst. Before we get into, you know, seeing a bit of Sally's day to day, I do want to start with where the episode does, which is Mm. to pick back up from the ending of last episode, right? Where we saw John, which is Barry and Sally or Clark and Emily's child get in a fight with this boy, Travis, the dads and the sons are going to meet back up again. uh, And John is going to, you know, apologize for starting the fight even the dad of Travis acknowledges like, yeah, it's a little weird that he's never heard of <laughs> Call of Duty. And we'll find out over the course of this episode how it's almost like John is quite literally sheltered, right? Yeah. Like clearly doesn't go to school. Barry mm-hmm. is his quote unquote teacher. Seems like Travis is one of the only kids he interacts with. There's no video games in their house. There's no TV. Hell, even the sermons they take in, they go to church every Sunday, but it's completely virtually (laughs) like they're in the pandemic. So to get a little bit of a view into the very limited lens that this poor kid has on the world. I mean, I pity this child in so many ways, this being one of them, not getting access to so many things because of the situation that he was literally born into. Yeah, how dare you not let this child go to real church? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's really terrifying for this child. Like, I, I just look at all of the ways in which his parents are messing him up throughout the episode. 
And to know that he's been raised like this, he's almost like a bubble boy. Yeah. Uh, it's really weird. And he, and you know, that his, that Barry is his teacher, but obviously Barry has like a very specific worldview that of things that he understands the world to be and things that he thinks like the ways that he thinks the world, the world works, but that all is a, like, you know, assembled around his psychopathy and the fact that he has murdered people like for a living. So to be, to imagine like that being your first and only teacher is really, really terrifying. And it's also sad to see that this little boy has obviously inherited some of his dad's anger issues. And I think Barry recognizes that as well, which is when we start getting into a bit of how Barry is parenting, which is very much the do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's relaying from experience, right? This is where he pushes John to give the line to Travis. I hope we can be together next time in harmony. (laughs) And then like really gives him this pep talk after the fact saying like, it's okay that, you know, Travis didn't respond the way you wanted to. That's insecurity. Keep practicing what you did and you'll grow and be a better person for it. And he admits, your dad used to get mad a lot, but eventually I was able to control those feelings. And then I had you. I changed. And it's interesting because I can say firsthand that becoming a parent certainly does change you in many ways. Yeah, I am not in the same boat as Barry, but I know I certainly had to align my worldview and my priorities in a different way when you're actually responsible for this life. I would imagine even more monumentally so from Barry's perspective in that, A, it seems like they're in this situation where they are sheltering in place partially because they feel they need to. I would imagine a reason why John has not been enrolled in any public schools is because they worry that, you know, if someone's able to catch wind of where they are, they'll get to him in that way. And Mm -hmm. then their identities are exposed and then their DOA. And so they really are just trying to prevent any sort of exposure to the outside world as much as possible. And then at the same time, him being able to, again, look at this boy and see an opportunity to like reflect himself as a better person onto him. And it's interesting because he will open up slightly, but not so much about his history later on to his son, about his involvement in the war, something he hadn't Mm -hmm. beforehand. So getting to see the facade that Barry and Sally present to not only the outside world, but to their own son is really interesting to me because theoretically you think, this is the third person in your household. You are their parents. Yeah. You, you keep secrets naturally, but not all of these secrets. But you really see over the course of this how even when they mean best for John, they are still, you know, walling him off from certain things, even from themselves and who they truly are. Yeah, for sure. They say in recovery uh, that you're only as sick as your secrets. And it's really very... Mm trying to recover from this past life that he lived but he has so many secrets that he has to keep from probably the person who's most important to him that none of this can ever really go away like that anger inside of him is just dormant and waiting to strike it's not gone yeah so as you mentioned before we begin to see how sally is able to become the sole breadwinner here, those Amazon-delivered bread uh, winners (laughs) of this household. She works at Lynette's Country Diner as Emily, and we're going to meet a couple of people in her workplace for this episode that'll be fairly important. Her co-worker is named 
Gina. She's actually played by Emily Spivy, who was a writer on SNL. Uh, she created oh, cool. the Gone Too Soon Up All Night on NBC. So she's been around the block a number of times, but it's always fun to see writers get to take their turn as actors. Yeah. And, and we're also going to meet, unfortunately, a seedier person in Emily's workplace. This chef named Bevel, who is like lecherous would be putting it mildly i yeah. would say the way we are introduced to this character by him just standing there trying to awkwardly flirt with sally and she's just giving him nothing and it's it's not just awkward flirtation it's just he's just he has no reason to be there in that specific place he's just standing there so he can gawk at this woman and it's so disgusting and like I, I've had that happen so many times in life where I'm just like, you have no reason to be here. I am here working. You're just doing whatever that is. Please stop it. So you definitely get the the icks from him right away. One hundred percent. So we get Sally's sort of long car ride home as she is going to talk to Barry. My implication from this scene at the gas station is that Barry called her to like excitedly talk about the things they learned. Barry has essentially now occupied his days as John's teacher. And by that, I mean, he is finding these YouTube videos <laughs> to show John to learn about things. Today's lesson is on the virtues of Abraham Lincoln. Sally cannot even feign interest or excitement. She is literally putting the phone down uh-huh. away from her ear as she is just gulping down this vodka on her way home, which I think screams how completely distant she feels from the man that she ran away with eight years ago. Yeah, and can you really blame her? They're in a, basically a three-person cult. <laughs> you know, they they see the only, like the the highlight of her day probably is going to work at this diner. And yeah. that's pretty bleak. Grass is always greener and there's not a lot of green grass in this no, state. there's nothing. There's just, I... I I, it is hilarious how they just have dirt. They have nothing else. I also love drunk Sally. I feel bad yes. for John as I do throughout this episode, but it's <laughs> so much fun to see like drunk, semi-burnt out Sally here at the dinner table, brought home a couple of frozen chicken pot pies. You'll see between this and the next dinner scene where they're eating Cheerios. Yeah. Like, She's man. a great cook. Well, that's the thing that sucks, right? Is like, talk about this state of arrested development that the two of them are in, considering that given John's age, I would imagine he was conceived probably fairly quickly after they were on the run. So, you know, they barely have gotten their own lives in gear and then they have to be in charge of another. So I think it does make sense that they're like, yeah, we never really learned to cook and we can't really ask anyone at this point. Bevel's not going to help us. So yeah, cereals and cold pot pie it is. Uh, But they're going to talk about, you know, the virtues of old Abe. Mm Going to talk about uh, him being a combination of pragmatism, optimism, and compromise. But Sally kills this scene, in my opinion. Between her so dryly responding that I think that's the building blocks of anybody with a soul. And her... (laughs) seemingly sincerely in my opinion but clearly very in the pocket talking about how Abe Lake is a real success story because he worked hard and now he's on a penny and then she (laughs) says you know what you could get with all these pennies and she just goes through this list I think my favorite is shoelaces Shoelaces. you wear those I see you yeah I see you I see you wearing those (laughs) like this is where you truly 
get a sense in one boiled down moment of looking at these two sitting side by side at the dinner table. And I love the camera placement putting us from John's POV because it's like, imagine having these two as your parents and this being a nightly routine. Yeah, this is just this is just dinner for you every night. I think I hope that this is the episode that Sarah Goldberg uh, sends in and, and submits for her Emmy Mm. Uh, because she just does such an amazing job playing the you're right about her being burnt out but at the same time she just like does not have any shits to give at all about anything that's going on and there's a certain dryness to it but there's also a certain kind of tragedy that underlies all of it that just makes you really feel for her and understand how someone could get themselves in a situation like this you bring up a really valid point. I think resignation is the perfect yes. word for it, right? It's this idea yeah. of her saying, this is my life. I can't get out of it because if I do, I go out of the frying pan into, into the fire. So it's as good as it's going to get. And we hear a bit of what happens when, you know, John is sleeping and doors are closed and how Sally and Barry are communicating to each other. Barry is like begging Sally to stop drinking in front of their son that she was very yeah. clearly drunk. That night, she responds back, right, with, I'll stop when you stop. I mean, again, we barely got a glimpse into Sally's home life from the premiere. But to me, it doesn't seem that too distant from, like, the emotionally withholding mother Mother. that she had herself. Now, maybe her mother wouldn't sleep with her in the tub or sleep in Sally's bed when she was having a bad dream like she's doing to John. And that's, again, a bit of a parenting thing of, like, I will, you know, do to you what was not done to me. But at the same time, it does feel a bit to me like the apple's not falling incredibly far from the tree. Oh, no, she does not want to be a mother to this child. I Mm. I think that's pretty obvious. Like, she is completely detached from all of this and tries to, like, you know, later, I'm sure we'll discuss this when... Uh, you know, she's going in to sleep with him because he's having uh, nightmares because of his father. You know, she tries her best to wake Barry up so that he can go and handle this. And she only kind of does it secondhand, just like, I guess, like, I'm not going to get any sleep because he won't go away. Mm -hmm. She can't bring herself to, like, hug him. She just kind of, like, pats him and then turns over. Um, It's very, very similar to what her I, I guess her mom would have given her nothing yeah so it's better than nothing but it it is something that a child can sense if their parent is not being completely open with them and available well sally and barry are clearly showcasing how they're feeling about their relationship in the after hours considering that we see them as far apart as they could possibly be <laughs> two completely separate chairs on different sides of the room wrapped in their own respective videos. Barry is going to go down a rabbit hole of heroes exposed videos about the truth about Abraham Lincoln, all the fucked up shit he did. And we see that Sally is pining for a different life and what could have been in many ways. As we see eight years into the future, Natalie's show Just Desserts, which she picked up on the heel of Sally's show being canceled in season three, has been doing swimmingly to oh, say yeah. the least. Natalie's going to say later on that like the president of the United States is quoting her show at the state of the union. Obviously it's been going 
eight years strong at this point. So that's however many seasons that they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Like she may be one of the most successful creators out there by the time this time jump takes place. Yes. And it's so funny. (laughs) I I was really happy we were able to get Darcy Carden back. I know that she is booked and blessed uh, in our our modern day times, but Uh I'm happy they were able to bring her back, even if it was just for like a couple of cameos, sit in the director's chair and be like, horrible to your co-star after ruminating back on eight years of success. You know, we almost fired you in year two. (laughs) I would love to be able to say that to someone one day. So... (laughs) Uh, congratulations to her and thank you for to Darcy Carden for making time in your schedule to come back to Barry because even when she's only on the screen for three minutes it's three minutes of gold yeah I totally agree and I think it goes back to something that Bill Hader said in that ringer podcast which is he talks about becoming famous and successful in the entertainment business requires so much luck going your way he relays the story that he feels the only reason why he booked snl is because jimmy fallon had just left and they were looking for another impressionist and bill happened to be there and he talks about how sally is a great example of like people who have this raw talent and just don't have the luck and how there are so many people out there who just don't have the cards fall their way so it doesn't matter how much luck and skill they have at the poker table if it's a bad draw it's a bad draw and now getting to see someone like natalie prove that point right, where she doesn't necessarily have the skill, but has all the luck to keep failing upwards, in a manner of speaking, by satiating the opening of the masses, going for the lowest common denominator. I think it's a very interesting take on that of, okay, would you want to be successful, but not creatively fulfilled, or vice versa? Yeah. Uh, I I would like to be successful. (laughs) At this point (laughs) in your life, you're like, I've had enough of the other half of it. I've had enough, yeah. I'm done being Sally. I would like to be Darcy Carden's character now, please. Thank you. Let's do another interesting facet of this family. The religious facet. Yeah. Which came as a bit of a surprise. Now, maybe this is in an effect of trying to blend in with their environment, given, I think, a lot of the, you know, reputation and and admitted stereotypes that are affiliated with that area of the country. But we get this really fun sequence right where we start with the sermon from this preacher and then the camera widens out to show that no (laughs) they're just watching it on a laptop screen and i love when they do the peace be with you and then they just have to hug within their own little three-person pod (laughs) but yeah for whatever reason barry and sally have decided to raise their child at least fairly religiously as barry is going to use this as an opportunity after the sermon to like espouse onto john this idea of how we should love each and every creature that exists on this earth because god made them yeah where is this coming from Uh, maybe this is part of the new barry getting uh finding religion uh just as he was saved i guess from Mm. prison uh i mean that's something that does happen but it also does make a lot of sense for people who are living out in the middle of nowhere in the plains who probably have like a million guns stashed away in their home to have some religious leanings there. I mean, they are quite literally born again, right? In terms of identity. (laughs) So perhaps it means taking on some sort of idea of faith to at least have something to anchor yourself to. Mm -hmm. And what's going to be interesting for Barry, he's going to talk about this later when he tells his version of events from Kabul. But Barry is giving off to John, at least, this idea of we have to protect 
we have to protect our family. We have to protect God's creatures. We have to right. keep them safe. I saved all these men's lives, which is such an interesting perspective, right? Into like how Barry tries to sleep at night, I'm mm -hmm. sure, to try to shrug off some of the very, very bad things he has done in the past. Either him saying, I'm moving on from that, I'm being a new person, or him really perverting this series of events to say, no, I was saving them. I was trying to defend myself. I was trying to defend the people that I loved. And then him trying to pass that down onto his son as well of, okay, you have to defend every creature on God's earth, even if it means exacting deadly force. Yeah, it is a messed up thing to teach a child, especially without any real context. And I am terrified that this house is going to be a militia house. Yeah, I mean, considering that we have guns and holes in walls. Yeah, who knows where else they are. Exactly, like, Kevin McAllister, look out. I feel like this house <laughs> is booby-trapped to the nines, should anyone actually get in there. Yeah. We get some really funny dialogue here, though, where, you know, John asks uh, if we should honor thy mother and thy father, emphasis on mother, and of course, Barry says, yes, she, he responds. She cries a lot. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she does. And then they figure out, you know, a mom cry isn't happy or sad. It's loud and scary. And then he just sort of trails off saying, like, I think I'm able to figure out how to calm her down. And John just gets wrapped up in, I would say, probably more so like the images of all of these kids playing together, but at least through the communal activity of baseball is something that he's going to fixate on. And it'll be his opportunity to make amends with Travis where they're going to have a catch. And it seems like by the end of that, Travis is at least being friendly enough with John, yeah. or at least entertaining the notion of like them having a conversation without beating up on each other. Yeah. I think that probably Travis realizes that this, like, he's the only kid that this kid ever sees. Um, and so uh, like, he just it's an olive branch i think like he's just reaching out and being like okay here's something that i do with like it's a normal activity i do all the time playing with my friends i can tell that you don't really have anyone else to play with maybe we can play catch like yeah something just the the, the and they're kids too yeah so like kids are way more open and friendly than people know yes completely and i love the subversion of expectations that happens here because i think to be candid you look at travis you look at his dad and you think like okay these are gonna be the kind of like hard-headed charged people that are gonna serve as our antagonists in this new environment but no they are the straight people in this relationship like they're fairly open they're responding to all the malarkey that barry and john through barry is putting <laughs> out there but they're also like reasonably entertaining options to like actually to invoke another commandment, right? Love thy neighbor. And like it actually take in the very odd ideas that they're saying and the fact that this kid is a little bit sheltered and, you know, uh, catches baseballs in a weird way, but at least he's catching them. Like I was really happy with the fact that we didn't go in that stereotypical direction and instead focused on the fact that no, Barry and his family are the weird ones here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're definitely the weird ones. I mean, even in that opening conversation with the dad, he's like, you've got to admit. Yeah. Like, come on. It was yeah. a little weird. 
And then when John says that very odd thing, right, about how, you know, I hope next time when we come together, it'll be yeah. in harmony. And he's like, yeah, we'll think on that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say. It's even more strange coming from the mouth of a child. Yeah. For some reason, it just feels ominous. So you have to imagine that the dad at some point of this other kid was just like, listen, you know, here's a lesson about how about tolerance, I guess, and about like being kind to people, even though you may find them strange. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, nothing gold can stay in the case of John's newfound love for baseball. As after a little bit of a tense scene, I think we get to see truly shades of like the real dad Barry is, right? Where they get these shipments from Amazon to serve as their shopping because again, they're not going to go down to the, to the Mart or anything to buy stuff for fear of being exposed. Mm -hmm. And he talks about when John doesn't have a comforter for his room. He tells this story of the loaves and the fishes to basically say like, well, listen, you make do with what you got. And then he just finishes up with uh, the point is God gives you exactly what you need and don't whine. (laughs) Like even Barry gets tired of trying to be the sitcom dad as much as he can. And then he's going to find the glove in John's room and fearing the worst is going to decide 
I need to scare this kid straight by showing him all of the worst case scenarios that can happen if you play in Little League. He showed his eight-year-old, seven, eight-year-old son picture or like I almost said moving pictures because that's how upset <laughs> I was about this videos of people dying children dying to get him scared straight away from baseball like what was the thought process here I think it really is this gateway idea of like if he wants to play baseball then what's next? Then these kids will come over. Then their parents will find out about us. Then they'll report us to the police. Then Hank will find us and kill us, et cetera, et cetera. Just going down that worst case scenario rabbit hole. So it leads Barry to really jump to conclusions, to your point, in the most extreme way possible of exposing him to just this hardline violence to say, this is why you never want to play baseball. I just chuckled so hard at the image of him typing the term little league deaths into YouTube. <laughs> and also some of the titles are pretty fantastic. Like 12 year old pitcher killed by line drive with like seven exclamation points and mature content in parentheses. I know that was really good. Um, I, I just, I just don't, there are so many other ways that Barry could have dealt with this situation. A little truth might not hurt, you know, like the child is growing up and old enough to see what's going on around him. And old enough to realize that what is going on in his household is not what goes on in other people's households. Yes, he did ask Travis, does your mom wear hair on top of her hair? <laughs> yeah. But then again, like all of Beyonce's kids ask that question too, so it's fine. You know, all the best of us wear wigs. <laughs> 100%. Sally, Beyonce, basically the Venn diagrams <laughs> basically of circle. the same. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sally is going to do a real lemonade move, I would say, in <laughs> matching the side view mirrors in a very different perspective here at work with Bevel. And I have to imagine initially we were both fearing the worst, right? Mm -hmm. When she and Bevel are sitting down and he's trying to kind of mack on her by talking about his brother going to jail for bank robbery and he's blasted some fools. And I blasted some fools in the past, made me feel like a god. And you can tell, at least in this moment to me, Sally is bored, but entertaining yeah. the notion, right? Like the listlessness with which she says, like, it makes you feel like the bad boy god. Like, it's so nonplussed that there's not really a lot of energy behind it. Uh, but it seems like, at least from this initial perspective, she's still like, yeah, what the F ever, fine. We'll do this in the bathroom right here, right now. Mm -hmm. It'll give, bring at least a little excitement to my life. That is not what he gets. No, I knew this dude was a little bitch because he was sitting there drinking chocolate milk. Yeah. Trying to like mac on a woman. Sip sexily out of a <laughs> Yoohoo bottle. Um, I did think she was going to murder him mm. in that bathroom. I, I really did. I was just like, oh no, is this how like murderer Sally is born? Yeah. I like the the worst for me is murder. So that's that's what I went to instantly with these two. We get what is, in my opinion, the like Bill Hader impressive shot of the week, right? Which is this next sequence, all done in one shot, just mm -hmm. in on the bathroom as Bevel walks in thinking he's about to get some action and he's in for a very different type of <laughs> action as Sally does start things, right? They start to make out and then she starts to choke him. 
And I was a little confused initially as to like, okay, is Sally really in the mood? And it's just this violence has to get invoked because it's the only thing that like gets a rise in her nowadays. It's a little less effed up than that, luckily. I think it's more so that she just wants to exact violence on this guy. You know, he pulls off her wig. She slaps him. She holds his neck in her hands again, like making him promise that he won't tell anybody. So clearly like this is something that does indeed get excitement out of Sally, but I think in a very different way. And I think it's a real stand-up moment for the character, someone who clearly does not want to be there as we've seen Mm -hmm. throughout the first half of the episode. But there is still this like sense of, Bill Hader talked about this on his podcast. He says that Sally has her integrity as a character, which is interesting because it does contrast and compare a bit in tandem to like the narcissism that she has, right? The, the impulses she has as a performer to like upstage people to take the limelight, but she still has this integrity at the end of the day, which causes her to walk away from acting for her to say, this is not the life that I want. I have a right to walk away from it. And I think that integrity is inflected in this moment as well, where it's like, it could have gone down again, this very stereotypical rabbit hole Mm -hmm. of okay, this is the woman in a loveless marriage who starts this affair with this grody cook on the side and it leads to bad endings for all. But no, she stands up for herself. She, you know, is able to take out some revenge on her own hands and is able to solve the problem and dismiss him barely. Yeah, it's it's kind of great, actually, the way that she dispenses with him. And it's just like, uh, like you are yet another part of my life that I don't want to be there, but you're something I can actually do something about. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I think that's her taking back control of like any sexuality that she might have while at the same time wielding it to terrify someone and ultimately get them out of her life. Yeah. I mean, this is the most dominating thing we see both Barry and Sally do yes. over the course of this episode. And it's interesting to see, Barry, who has done much worse stuff than Sally in the past, try to pack that away, those compulsions, as much as possible, whereas Sally has kind of faded into those dark aspects and even steered into them sometimes when it comes to, oh, there's a problem I have to solve. Violence is the only way to do it. And not to say that she didn't have a a right to. Obviously, this guy was like a creepo depot, and sometimes (laughs) the no needs to be said in 72-point font, bold, italicized, and underlined. But at the same time, I do find it interesting that of these two characters, she was the one to enact the most violence in this episode between both of them. Which I think is great because, you know, we don't often see this character be violent. uh, And when it does come out, it definitely does come out like normally just in verbal storms. Mm. Uh, But this is like the, the time that we see her be actually like physically violent with someone. And it, it she does a fantastic job in this scene yeah just really uh taking the viewer from you know expecting like you said the stereotypical to not knowing what to expect that was going to happen like the the fact that i thought she was going to murder this guy really like i was on a roller coaster ride here yeah and i mean she will kill his career but not him at least in that moment yeah Uh, so meanwhile barry is going to decide to open up a bit to John, perhaps he's realized at this point with the baseball stuff, okay, that was a close call. I need to expose at least a bit of myself 
to my son. But of course, he'll still do it in a very filtered view. John just so happens to come across this shadow box with all of Barry's, you know, military regalia and says, oh, I was looking for that. Yeah, I never told you that (laughs) I was a Marine. Huh. Interesting. You know, they call me a hero, but I don't like to put labels on things. And it segues really nicely into the next dinner conversation, which is the polar opposite from what I assume was the previous day where (laughs) Barry decides, okay, uh, mask off on your heroes. But turns out our friend Abe Lincoln, not such a great guy. No. These are all the things that he did because it was the 1800s. And then he goes through an entire list, right? (laughs) St. Augustine, the man was addicted to bathhouses, John. Now he's what? Third most Googled saint. Talks about Gandhi, you know, and his hypocrisy regarding injections. Yeah. And he follows it up with the episode title, Tricky Legacies, Tricky, Tricky, Tricky Legacies. Legacies. And I'm, a, I'm of a couple minds about Barry thinking about himself through this lens, right? Of all the best heroes have dark aspects to them. Oh my goodness talk about narcissism mm-hmm. you know uh, just the the mere idea that in order uh, and barry seems to sleep fine and deeply uh that he's able to like sleep at night after all of the things that he's done means that there's a a, a part of him that is cordoned off from the rest of his like active mind and psyche wherein he actually thinks that he is the heroic one and continuing to show that heroism by being with you know sally and raising this child in this way and it's just so dark and wrong that (laughs) that it's kind of shocking to watch how he squares this all away with himself let's flash back to this conversation that barry has with sally when he's in jail i just didn't tell you the part i didn't want to be true it's that i'm a piece of shit and you gave me a life I didn't effing deserve. And I think it's an opportunity for Barry to like couch his own legacy here. Mm-hmm. I'm not a piece of shit. Even the best people in human history have been pieces of shit in the past. If anything, you have to be a piece of shit to be a great person. Right. You know, as Hank said last episode, right? Like you can't have people walk all over you. And I do feel like in comparing himself to the likes of Gandhi and literal <laughs> saints, Barry is deifying himself in his household, at least, and using him as an ability to say, hey, even some of the greatest people in human history had bad, unsavory parts to them, and I have to be the same, clearly. So it's almost like he's swung completely the opposite direction from when he said that line to Sally back in episode two. He doesn't think he's a piece of shit. He just thinks that his record's a little spotty, but overall it's clean. And the whole time I was like, Barry, turn the lights on. Yeah. Like, why are you eating the dark? Maybe that's why someone comes knocking on the door at night, is to be like, just wanted to see if you were home. None of the lights were on where you were eating your cold cereal in the yeah. dark for dinner. I want to check in on you, buddy. That's exactly what that was. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about this knock at the door that happens as the peace and squalor, or at least, like, status quo of the house is interrupted by a knock. And it's obviously something that is very different. There's a reason why they moved out into the middle of nowhere is because they don't get knocks at the door to the point where Barry ushers Sally and John into the bathroom like there's a freaking tornado coming. He pulls a gun out of a hole in the wall, stands there the entire night just waiting for someone to come. 
LT, do we have any idea if Barry is like suspecting a specific person to come for him? Or is he just generally paranoid of law enforcement or the greater powers coming to get him? So if if we think that this is witness protection, then he shouldn't be concerned about law enforcement coming to get him, right? Because they would have had to have gotten immunity for whatever charges they would have uh, incurred otherwise in order to get into witness protection. Yeah, so, I would imagine that'd be the case. But considering that probably the people that vouch for him the most in witness protection, you know, got gunned down from died. the inside, like <laughs> they could be easily infiltrated. That's fair. Um, I, you know, uh, uh, Hank yeah. is always on that list. And Kusino is always on that list too. Yeah, um, Fuchs, I think, is a big Fuchs, name that could be on the list as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, Fuchs is probably, like, just living it up still in prison. Yeah, I would imagine so. So, we'll see. If we know who Barry was specifically fearful of in this moment, it changes by the end of it, unless it was Gene. Uh, exactly. So, I don't think it necessarily matters. I just think, obviously, it's very interesting that we have our expectations changed throughout this episode as to, like, what the life of these three is like and then we get to see why they are so protective and protected is because they are fearful of everything that goes bump in the night that mm -hmm. something dangerous might be coming for them yeah when maybe it was just a child <laughs> coming to see if the other one could play catch or something from that know? perspective then i'm very happy that that poor kid did not go the way of leo last episode oh and my just God. <laughs> get you know gunned down for doing ding dong ditch or something like that yeah exactly well um, let's yeah. go in a very jarring direction here yeah. speaking of leo and his shooter as 26 minutes into a 34 minute episode we finally go somewhere else and I didn't exactly know why we were doing this until obviously the very end of the episode. Now I think it makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Hader comes out after this episode to say like this scene was actually meant for another episode, but they wanted to bring some context in for the ending rather than have it come out of nowhere and show that like Gene was alive and that he was back in Hollywood. But we see a very different version of Gene Cousineau and how time has been for him. Seems like he has basically fled the country since he ended up shooting his son. We find out from the Google headline that that is what his latest bit of notoriety has been. Luckily, the headlines say that he shot his son. And Bill Hader in the podcast said that he shot his son, which I'm taking to mean not killed. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, that's good. Because I definitely was thinking the whole time, we're going to get Kusuno and we're not going to find out whether or not his son is dead. Yeah, which I think would make sense and maybe less sense as to why Gene decided to flee the country, right? Because he wouldn't necessarily be a fugitive. You know, I think Leo could maybe write it off at the end of the day unless he was really acrimonious about the whole thing, deservedly so. I think he more so ran away out of a fear that Barry was still coming for him. Mm. At least that's my sort of headcanon about it. Yeah, I think that that makes total sense because he thought that he had gotten Barry, but obviously found had to have found out that he did not. Um, and so he left in order to avoid Barry. 
that makes sense to me. Yeah, and that is a really fun counter, I think, to like what Barry and Sally did, right? Which is to yeah. do their own escape. And while Jean thinks that he has been the Jean Valjean who has been the subject of this chase for eight years, no, Barry and Sally ran away as well and had to rebuild their own life, much like Jean did. But he has no realization of that. We also get a little bit of world building here. Over the course of eight years, <laughs> Kristen has gone from a model who had no acting experience to seemingly the face of the Mega Girls franchise. And I also just love the other random billboard they threw in there of Larry Chowder, the magical boy, <laughs> starring at Tyler, which I think is just incredible, right? Not only a call coming from inside the house about the Harry Potter of it all with Larry Chowder, uh, but then also that the star is someone's handle on, you know, Instagram or some sort of social media. Uh, yeah, their Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, is Larry Chowder a character in Harry Potter? No, but like it's a very oh. big takeoff on Harry okay. Potter, right? Like you hear the whimsical music. It's literally called The Magical Boy. So See, I, I have to admit something here. I have never read a Harry Potter book, nor oh. have I seen a Harry Potter movie. But will you watch Larry Chowder, The Magical Boy? <laughs> no. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Like he was wearing like a cardigan. Like this man looks 40. Yeah. How is he a magical boy? Is it just magic? Like, it could be magic. I, yeah, it could it be like could a be big magic. situation where he accidentally made himself big. Sorry. I was not expecting that sentence. <laughs> Never underestimate the big powers, okay? They could come yeah. in at any point in time. Much like Gene Cousineau, who we see this representative from uh, the Warner Brothers, played by Annie Chang of Peacemaker. So nice to see her oh, get really? some work here. Okay. Yeah. So she comes in and sees this very different look of Gene, essentially going full Nick Nolte. Right, yeah. he has like this long scraggly hair and beard. LT, you told me before we came on here that like <laughs> turns out any a little bit of hair and facial hair specifically can make anyone look scary, even lovable Henry Winkler. Even Henry Winkler, it's either the absence of hair, so like full like you know skinhead look, or too much hair and you're just like uh, on a list, you know. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little horrifying, but it's very true. And yeah, they they managed to make nice Henry Winkler look like he could, you know, sky, like, you know, uh, what what is it called when you stab someone in prison? Though shank, shank, that is not the word I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, that might lead to that or the opposite in prison yeah but gene is initially going to get turned away right they just think it's the raging lunacies of like a semi gene cousineau look-alike but gene is going to very calmly say i'd like to talk to the head of warner brothers and i think initially yeah. we're like typical gene right here comes the narcissism again even eight years removed he wants to talk to the head honcho of the company and he says if you're planning what i think you're planning you're going to want to talk to me now, what's really interesting, LaTanya, is I did not predict this was going to go where it did. But my first guess is actually something close to one of the headlines, the satirical ones in the Hollywood Reporter article that we see at the end of the episode. I totally thought that because Gene was presumed dead for those eight years, that there was going to be some sort of like AI recreation or facsimile of Gene Cousineau and that he had shown back up to be like, like hell you're doing that. You're not using my identity. I'm still alive, baby. I think 
that the direction that Hollywood is going in is terrifying, if that is something that you thought was a possibility. Yeah, I mean, listen, we have been creating Luke Skywalkers out of yeah. just polygons at this That's point. That's very true. Mark Hamill doesn't even need to be there. They could totally no. do the same thing if they wanted to deepfake Gene Cousineau for whatever reason. <laughs> and maybe they were. We'll talk about, obviously, the big twist at the end. But at least in the moment, that's not what Gene is going for. And who knows? Maybe next episode, we'll get a bit of our own flashback into Gene's eight years and seeing what exactly tipped him off to go to Hollywood the way that he did. But we cut to probably the man that this character played by Annie Chang thought that Gene was initially, which is just like the, I'm assuming, owner or big yeah. boss of this diner <laughs> who goes into this whole monologue about how his whole life has been a testament to clean living. And we're not sure who this guy is in his festive maroon getup or why he's saying this. Turns out this was all like a, an extended monologue to talk about how he was sad about his own lack of judgment when it came to hiring Bevel. He admits, you know, he was a bit biased. He looked to him as a grandson and he thought he was going to get his life on gear and go for that clean living. And it turns out that Sally threw him under the bus, essentially pinning, skimming money off of the diner onto yeah. him in an effort to get him fired. Sally's smart and vindictive, and that is a dangerous combination. Yeah, 100%. And we see, again, just how out of their league she is when after the the big boss leaves them behind gina's going to talk about like listen i've thought it's happened the till a few times but i have such a guilty conscience which first of all lol conscious yeah i have such a guilty <laughs> conscience i'll probably just end up blowing my effing brains out I know. and it's like sally and barry are the type of people to just bat an eyelash yeah at that type of there they have done with so much worse than just skimming off the top when it comes to grabbing a couple of $50 bills out of the cash register when you clock out and pocketing them. Uh, this is be a drop in the bucket. So Sally had no problem pitting a crime on this guy <laughs> if it meant solving a more long-term issue. You know, and hats off to her. Sometimes you got to get in the trenches and do the dirty work. <laughs> this is one of those times. I don't feel bad for Bevel. He'll find another job. He'll find another job, he'll find another girl, or his brother will get out of jail, and he'll <laughs> lose his life in a botched bank operation. Yeah, those are the brakes. Yeah, and those are brakes on his souped-up car as well. Oh my gosh. That'll be their getaway car. <laughs> that car uh, scene is so hilarious because the amount of times that I have seen a man just, like, leaning on a car uh, blasting the stereo in my yep. lifetime, I just, I cannot even count. Yeah, just completely destroying his subwoofers by <laughs> yes. turning the bass up all the way. And they, yep. in a moment to be like, yeah, you like this? This is the height of masculinity right now. <laughs> the deeper the deeper the tone, the bigger I am. Like, it's so, so stupid. But bye-bye, Bevel, at least for the moment. Mm -hmm. Barry is really going to keep on this military train. And he's going to regale John with stories at bedtime about the hero he was in Afghanistan. And when he starts telling the story about Kabul, we think, okay, is Barry going to be full cards up here? He talks about Albert being shot while they're standing there. And he, I'm thinking, okay, like, is Barry really going to open up? Does he think he has his son enough on his side that he will just completely fly off the handle about him going absolutely renegade towards those civilians in Afghanistan? And no, Barry mm -hmm. instead changes his story. He was a medic. He mm -hmm. didn't kill anybody. My job was to protect our boys, just like I'm protecting you. Yeah, that was 
very reminiscent of what the United States federal government probably would do uh, in explaining what that story was all about. Uh, That was a leap. Um, Some would call that and a total choice. Um, Mm -hmm. I I guess it's better to not scare your son by telling him that you went like ape and decided that you were going to kill, just like mow down a bunch of civilians in a foreign land. Um, That's probably a good idea to not do that after you've shown him pictures or like uh, videos of kids getting killed in Little League. Well, that's why on the one hand, I thought he was going to do that, right? Which is like, well, you've seen death happen on the baseball field, on the battlefield. It's no different. (laughs) It's no different. The subversion that this show does in so many different ways is just really refreshing to see because there's always... Uh, just little moments of subversion happening throughout the episode. They just zig when you think they're going to zag constantly. Including the ending of this episode, which seeks to, after we spend nearly the entirety of an episode, getting used to the new world that Barry and Sally occupy, that world is about to be shattered. Sally is checking out yet another interview from Natalie, and she gets a Google alert of Barry's name popping up in a new article. She is so flustered to the point where she will yell his real name, which obviously confuses John. He'll run in and she will show off an article from The Hollywood Reporter, not written (laughs) by Josh Wiggler, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. That's titled, Gene Cousineau Resurfaces May Consult on Barry Berkman Biopic. Wow. So much here. I mean, obviously, the Barry story, the story of Barry Berkman, I should say, the character, made so many headlines throughout Barry's seasons three and four. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that inevitably they would try to make a story out of it. But talk about the ultimate form of having your identity exposed, right? Considering yeah. that now his face, for the first time in eight years, is plastered up on all these entertainment sites. Mm-hmm. If anyone just catches a spare glance at the man who's a little bit heavier and wears glasses and is a little bit more balding, but very much resembles that Barry Berkman from the article. They are SOL. Yeah, it is. You know, cover has been blown. Um, Operation new cover, uh, I think, is uh, it's time for that. But instead of that, we get uh, what Barry eventually says, which I know we're going to get to in just a second. Yeah, it's so interesting to, again, compare this to episode two, which ends with Hank saying, we have to kill Barry. Mm-hmm. Now, Barry is matter-of-factly standing there saying, I'm going to have to kill Cousineau. Yeah. And again, for this guy that, as we said, Sally was the one carrying out the most violent action between these two, a guy that essentially told his kid to sing the entirety of Give Peace a Chance to someone he just punched in the face. Now he's the one saying, oh, where's my wall gun? I'm going to have to go squash this old demon, get this monkey off my back, and then we can move on to our not-so-happily-ever-after. It is scary, but it is invigorating at the same time for a number of reasons. First, the idea of a Barry Berkman biopic. I have to imagine in the episodes to come, we are going to get a peek onto the set. I hope so. Who is going to be playing Barry, because I would imagine that's what Gene's doing. Right, it's like he's going to be almost like the onset consultant. I mean, he'll stop and be like, "No, no, no, you don't realize Barry talks like this. <laughs> he doesn't talk like a regular." He doesn't person. at all. So funny. Uh, who do you think they're going to get to play him? 
There's been a lot of great guest stars this season. Yeah, I wonder if he'll go for like an in-joke and maybe go for like the person who plays his stand-in on Barry. You know, that could be a very fun thing to do. Like like how they got, you know, the Pedro Pascal stand-ins and the Mandalorian to become like actual characters. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there would be like SNL people. They already use Fred Armisen. I don't know if like Sudeikis was dealing with a lot in the past year. I don't know if they're calling him (laughs) over from England to go suit up as false Barry Berkman. (laughs) Yeah, I keep thinking Liev Shriver. I don't know Ooh, why. Oh, that would be very fun. And yeah. I feel like especially if he's playing it in like the Liev Schreiber way. Yes. Right? Like that would be a very fun, almost lifetime way of viewing Barry's story of like, he's a kid from the streets, hardline murderer. <laughs> and here's the poor old man that he took advantage of. Especially again, if Gene is consulting, that is certainly the way he's going to pitch it. I just don't understand why Gene can't shut up and stop trying to tell this story. Like, this man was fully in hiding to the point where people thought he was a dead. And he came out of hiding just to consult on a movie. Yeah, I mean, is this not similar to when Fuchs was sort of banned yet ended up living up his time in Chechnya in exile? Uh But because he felt that Barry didn't break up with him in the right way, he decided to come back out of hiding out of this idyllic life that he had to exact revenge on him and get himself jailed by proxy like this happens to all of our characters self-sabotage is the name of the game in barry that's very true uh i all of this makes me uneasy and i can only imagine that if he if kusuno is consulting on this he's gonna have some security yeah so what do you think the next steps are for both Barry the character and the show, does Barry go so far as to travel out to LA to confront Gene? Are we instead going to have him trying to fight this battle from home, trying to call Gene and confront him there? Do you think Hank and Fuchs and Abstentia are going to be brought into the picture? Where do you see things going next in the immediate future? It seems like Barry has to go back to LA, although that seems like a terrible call because people would recognize him immediately. Yeah, at least here you stand a remote chance of the local populace not reading that much Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter, yeah. Like, how much Hollywood Reporter are they reading there? Yeah, unless, you know, Barry's face shows up in Mega Girls 4, then they'll be like, oh, I recognize <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. So he might be able to still evade a lot of scrutiny here. But speaking to what I just mentioned about both Gene and Fuchs, I think Barry is going to truly self-sabotage and can't help yeah. himself. I think he's going to try to take this bull by the horns, go to LA and try to kill Gene himself. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, he is going to go like right into the belly of the beast because not only is Gene there, but I would imagine Hank is still running the operation in LA eight years on and probably doing so successfully. Fuchs is either in prison or may even be out of prison at this point. And now, as we saw last episode, may have a circle of sycophants by his side very dangerous sycophants at that so yeah barry's gonna make a huge mistake i feel like fueled by his paranoid fears becoming a reality it was a knock at the door beforehand but now there's something right in front of his face he feels he has to confront yeah it's all very exciting but uh i am just kind of in tatters right now like uh-huh. not knowing my nerves are just shot from watching this episode and, and thinking ahead to what could possibly happen when all of these very bad actors are back in LA yeah or you know the probably final time for many of them 
So we shall see if we're changing locations once again next week with episode six, The Wizard. We shall see what magic can be done in next week's installment of Barry. In the meantime, Latanya, anything else you want to say about this particular episode of Barry? I don't think so. I just, I, you know, I really hope that we can be together next time in harmony. There we go. And listen, I will swallow that and take that with pride <laughs> and less confusion than Travis and his dad did. One last thing I'll read out are the other articles that were on THR.com alongside oh, the reveal gosh. of the Barry biopic. So we have uh, Real Housewives of New York finds an unlikely star in the new housekeeper slash nanny, which is <laughs> good for them to help getting yeah. the spotlight they deserve in the Real Housewives series. Uncanny Pictures releases trailer for first all-AI-generated feature-length film, written, created, and produced completely with AI, says Studio Head. Way too close to home. Way too close to home and also a terrible headline. Way too long. <laughs> it's a really long headline. I thought that was just me. I was like, oh, I don't, what do I know about headlines? You don't need the quote from the studio head in there as well. That makes a perfect subhead or a deck. You don't need all of that in there. And then finally, Sleeper Hit Challenge Accepted gets greenlit for three sequel deal with joint Netflix slash Sony. Oh, Netflix and Sony have joined forces in this world. Yeah, okay. they are getting in bed together for Challenge Accepted uh, for three sequels. So I guess that is a takeoff piece. I don't know if it's on the level of Harry Chowder or even Mega Girls, but <laughs> apparently it's doing well for itself. Yeah, Mega Girls really uh, hit with some key demographics because she was a small character in the first one. So I mean, it could be a thing of just war of attrition where like everyone eventually either left or got cycled through the motions and Kristen somehow stayed maybe she was able to really channel sally's mood on that particular yeah. day and brought out this like powerhouse for performance that made her the face of the franchise yeah i'm not entirely sure but when we're looking at the next three episodes of barry lt and i are saying challenge accepted but we have many more challenges ahead of us good challenges in shows that we get to cover here on post show recaps Latanya, what are you doing this week in the podcast sphere? Um, I just want to tell you what a good podcaster I am. I'm such a good <laughs> podcaster <laughs> that Josh Wiggler and I, Josh, also known podcaster, uh, <laughs> we came up with a versus podcast, even though not a single episode aired for one of the shows that we put in the versus arena. So we figured, uh, and I was right about several things. So we talked through what we uh, thought about the mid-season point of Yellow Jackets and what we thought would happen in uh, the episode that was released today. And uh, of course, we talked about that wild episode of Succession as well. So join us uh, this week, this coming week for a uh, back to bit to basics uh, <laughs> versus where we actually have episodes to talk about from each of the television shows. I'm excited about that. Um, I really, really, really want people to watch Love and Death mm. on HBO. I know that you have lots of other things to do, and I understand that they already did this show, but Sarah Carradine and I are just enjoying ourselves talking about how ridiculous everything is. Oh. And uh, and the, from the Southern accents to the uh, ridiculous amount of money that David E. Kelly spent on uh, the soundtrack. Uh, we're just having a good time talking about Love and Death and Elizabeth Olsen and crew. So 
if you enjoy Elizabeth Olsen or uh, you know others from that uh, show, or if you like true crime because mm. this is based on uh, a very epic true crime story, um, then you might want to check out Love and Death on HBO and then give our podcast a listen. Do you think it's possible that Challenge Accepted from the Barry <laughs> Universe is actually the you know, remade title of Calispatron, the boring <laughs> robot movie from Succession. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. I was going to be like, would you rather see Calispatron or Challenge Accepted? A Challenge Accepted at least seems like there's <laughs> something there considering it's garnered three sequels. That yeah. If I'm going to make assumptions, it's that this was like the first fun, big creative series and now they're going to make a bunch of like sequels that just repeat the same beats over okay. and over again because they want to satiate the masses and yeah. they want to see the same things over and over again so let's just repeat the same beats so i guess i'd rather see the original challenge accepted than calispatron <laughs> which was regarded as boring by some of the characters that just spend entire episodes of succession like sitting still and negotiating yes. you know some of the most mundane deals and making the most high stakes things possible so if they're saying it's boring. It makes me not want to see it. Listen, Mike, they're battling ogres. All right? <laughs> You're reading documents. Um, <laughs> and then finally, you can catch me over at the Rahap side where Haley Strong and Kurt Clark and I are talking all about this season of Top Chef where uh, it is the international all-star season and I have completely forgotten to watch the episode for this week. Uh, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that the show isn't great. The show is still really good. And we're having a lot of fun talking about it. The podcast will be a little bit late this week. So uh, just like forgive us. There's some traveling going on uh, with a couple members of the crew. So um, yeah, we're doing, I'm doing all that stuff. And Barry, I'm very excited about it. I just found out today that I'm getting screeners for The Bear season two. Ooh. So this Chicago girl's pretty happy right now. 100 percent yeah that much anticipated show is coming back for a second season probably gonna put you as anxious as much as some of these barry episodes are so it really is jumping from one you know frenetic train to another yeah out of the frying pan into the saucer or whatever it's called anyway if you want to hear me say more things like that that don't make any sense um you should follow me on twitter at lk starks and if you want to see me post pictures i've got a really funny picture of uh, my nephews, one of whom the youngest one steals food from his older brother. So he uh, is eating the Pringles and the older nephew just has the Pringles can atop his head like a hat. So maybe I'll post that one later. <laughs> that does sound can, adorable. Yeah, it's really cute. Uh, and you can find me there at Stormborn1222. And of course you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. And I've been talking about this. I have stumbled into the fact that the shows I'm now covering on post-show recaps are kind of trippy, anxiety-ridden, mystery, boxy, twisty shows, which I absolutely love. Of course, I am on the Mrs. Davis train with Josh and Joe. We are really rounding the bend there. Just finished mm -hmm. coverage of episode six with, of course, Lots of questions therein, lots of theories abound, so we get into that. Josh and I also spoke with Episode 5's director, as well as the director of a few episodes of Mrs. Davis, as well as an EP, Owen Harris. Mm. That was a really great chat. And then I just kicked off coverage about a couple days ago on one of our newest 
dystopian series on Apple TV+. Plus. It begins with an S. It's called Silo. It is based on a hit series of novels by Hugh Howey. I'm covering that with Dr. Amanda Rabinowitz. It has been a really enjoyable experience so far. Two episodes dropped on Apple TV Plus this past Friday, and so we got into them both. We did our like general thoughts about the series overall in a spoiler-free way in the first 10 minutes or so, so that if people don't know if they would like to check out the series, they can kind of look at our review and our thoughts and what they should expect from the show before bopping out and watching those couple of hours before coming back to us, trying to recap it, as well as answer some questions, ask some questions based on those answers and keep on wondering about what life in the silo is truly like. So plenty of that happening from LT and myself on Posher Recaps, as well as everything else going on around us to make sure you not miss a beat. Subscribe to our Posher Recaps feed, our HBO show Recaps feed. That's where you can check out coverage of Love and Death that LT is doing. It's all there and we're very happy to be able to put that out to you uh we are doing it from the comfort of our own homes much like barry and sally and john are <laughs> we're preaching to the masses out there through your listening devices and i i hope that you're all enjoying this this is a really fun season of television to cover so far mm-hmm. that has just taken us in so many different directions and i cannot wait to see where the hell we're going in the next week now that we know this time jump is permanent There are so many different places we can go, quite literally. And I cannot wait to see what happens next week and beyond. We only have three weeks left of Barry, period, LT. I, why'd you say that, huh? Listen, I'm just like Jinkies THR article. You know, reality splashes cold water on your face, rakes you up from this dream. That's very true. I was just hoping that we didn't get screeners for the last three episodes and that there were 10 episodes of the show. Oh, that'd be fun. A surprise two additional (laughs) episodes to add to the end of it instead of making it like, well, we decided to apportion out the final episode to three 10-minute installments. Exactly. They'll be on Quibi. (laughs) Nothing ever failed on Quibi. Exactly. Well, hopefully we did not fail you this week in unpacking a very big episode of Barry. Next week, we try to make some magic with The Wizard, the anti-penultimate episode of Barry. Until then, everybody, take care, bye-bye, and see Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.